podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A dreadful result for Everton. You can probably hear what fans thought of that. Uh, 2-1 defeat to Wolves. They score right at the end. Uh, dead even game between two terrible teams, but they always look most likely to to win it. If I'm being brutally honest, Everton was terrible throughout. Um, just summed up, I think, by that, that last goal. Everton knock it around between the centre-backs for a long time before before getting forward, losing the ball. Wolves get it, break up the pitch. Score a winner on the counter-attack. Um, and that is, that is damning for Everton. The, 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 the worst team in the league for today has come to Goodison. Uh, done a bit of a job on them, really. And... It's pretty horrific. Pretty horrific. Uh, Lampard's gone straight down the tunnel. Most of the players have gone straight down the tunnel. Um, Mikhalenko is coming over. Uh, Wolves fans giving it loads, obviously. I think they probably just deserved it. Out of the two teams. Uh, but it's brutal. Um, home game is the bottom of the league. City away to come. Stock up on your blue flares in May. Bit speechless, I think, so far after that. I hope Mark Mosey, Mathlos have got better words to say. Yeah, speechless in the Denby Castle. We are, we are back in the Denby Castle. Uh, Mark Mosey just said we're only dealing bullshit. Uh, that might be quite an apt way to describe it after today. Yeah, that, that is the new Nil Satis. Um, <laughs> the club can feel free to plagiarise that statement. Um, but uh, I don't think any of our listeners, Matt, will uh, disagree with any part of that statement because today was scary bad, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I've got Marmosey and Matt Flusky. We are in the Demi Castle, as we always are. After the game... <sighs> Not a good day that was it, Matt. I think, you know, six weeks mouth us all after Bournemouth. Thought maybe we're gonna turn up, it's all gonna be alright. These lads will suddenly remember how to play footy and score loads of goals. They're not new lads. They are the same fellas that got us in that position before the break and it feels like it's gonna be a long, long card season again. Yeah, they left off and picked up. So they picked up exactly where they left off, didn't they? Um it's like we've never been away. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it was as bad in parts as we've seen this season. I mean, certainly not last week before we went away. I don't think it was on that level of bad, but that's a very low bar. And, yeah, it's just... I, I, I said to you, Matt, I don't have a script for this. If, if we'd lost 4-0 and got stuff start to finish, we'd have a bit of levity, a bit of gallows humour. But that last minute... I wouldn't even call it a sucker punch because I think that'd be unfair to the opposition. It wasn't like they sat back and, you know, just got two goals on the break and didn't deserve to win. I don't think anyone really deserves to win that game. No one really deserved to lose it. But that's what happens in those last seconds when they take the chances and we don't take our chances across the 90 minutes. That's what happens. And to lose a game like that in the last second, it's just... It, it takes the wind out of your sails. It takes away any kind of humour you can add to it it's just it's just very it's very flat it didn't it didn't feel like the the sucker punch that late goals at Goodison have in recent years because I think usually when you when you concede the last minute goal you, you at least feel as though there was some level of value in your team for the result that you did have 
you know, 30 seconds ago, which was obviously a point. I, I just kind of thought, well, you know, the fact that either of those teams were allowed to score today with the quality that was on show was comedy, quite frankly. Uh, that, you know, I, we, we are all of the unfortunate reality of knowing that Everton are not a good football team at the moment. Wolves were comfortably worse than Everton in terms of quality on show for me today. That That is up there with one of the worst teams that we've had at Goodison in recent years. They were awful. Their league position showed that before the game. The fact that they'd only scored eight league goals this season showed that also. It was absolutely of no surprise to me that we allowed them one in the first half. Um, and to be honest, there wasn't a great deal of the first half that, that truly angered me to the extent that I was in the second half. But... It, I, I just think it's, it's funny how we, we, we speak about Everton now on the back of the World Cup as being unable to really affect any change since, in particular, the Leicester game at home, but also those two awful trips down to Bournemouth. Um, and, you know, I, I think if, if most people had a damning criticism of Frank Lampard and probably of Everton in general, it's that they're, they're unable to change things when it is clearly so wrong or, or clearly so depressing. Um, you know, we, we will go on to talk about Frank Lampard and, and Everton as a, as a wider being outside of, of today's game. But the, the, there's, al- there's always that caveat for me of that, if, if the current thing is not working, we are always the football club that will pedal it along for eight to ten weeks before we actually do something about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say what my mind thinks because it will appear very knee-jerk. Um, and and that, that may well be the case. Um, if you ask me in reality, do I see what we have here now working, whether that's in playing staff or in coaching staff? I'm very hesitant to say yes um, because it, it feels like for me that Everton are still we, we are still approaching games and we are still playing games this season like we were when Frank Lampard came in and I think what what I certainly bought into with Frank Lampard when he came in was that there was going to be an enormous benefit of the doubt given to him in terms of the time he's had at the club with the players, um, the, you know, the ability to to really affect any change or to to put his stance on the team that that was all nonsense last year because we we quite simply just had to battle through games in order to scrape goals, points, any form of league position that we could. Nothing's changed this season, you know, and I, I know it's really difficult on the back of. What was an essentially an enormous interview for four months last season, but it, it it needed to develop this season. We needed to see what Frank Lampard's Everton in inverted commas would look like going forward. And for me, it's just as though last season, bar three months of shoulder drop and relief, has just carried on, and yet we we are just consistently pedalling through the shite to ultimately get nowhere. Uh, and that, that, that's why a lot of me thinks now, well, you know, it's difficult. We've only seen this team play once in the last two months. So it, I, I don't want to make any form of massive predictions or, or hopes for what I think should happen to Everton in the next few weeks. But I, I don't see a world in which Frank Lampard is still at Everton in May. Um, and, and whether that's because the club have 
changed him in January, March, um, or we've allowed it to get to the extent where we're still 17th in April and we've got four games left to save our season and we go down some panic button route of, of getting him out and just getting, you know, as the Allardyce appointment Duncan. was, <laughs> as, the, as the Duncan Ferguson appointment was, um, you know, in what world does Frank Lampard stay at Everton? If, if there's a, a notable increase in performance and, and a real positive change between now and late February, say, you know, the, the fixture list flashed up on the screen in the pub after the game. What have we got there? Liverpool, Arsenal, Man City. Yeah, yeah you, you're looking at Brighton and Southampton as being the opportunities for points. And I'm struggling, having just played the worst team in the league and, and been beaten by them at home to, to suggest that we've got anything about us. You know, I, I know that there are playing staff challenges there. We clearly need attacking players. There's a number of attacking players that we currently have which are championship fodder. Uh, and, and that is ultimately why we are where we are. Um, but I, I just think from a you know I, I like to try and step back from the playing staff and think is is everything we've got as a setup is that is that going to progress us um, you know I, I like Frank Lampard I wanted him to come here when we appointed him and again I, I'm I'm holding back from saying that we should we should get rid of the fella having lost one game in in eight weeks but. Um, it's four in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, from a, from a time I mean, point that, of view, that, that is a very kind assessment. To say we no, lost no. one in eight weeks, so we've not played for seven. What I'm alluding to there is the fact that I, I, I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's had eight weeks to, to work with these players. But also, he's had eight weeks to work with those lads. And yes, that's, and that's what we've seen. But today. I, yeah, that's it. I don't want I don't want to fully assess the work that he's done after 90 minutes. But at the moment, it's very very difficult not to because obviously that's all we've seen of it but um, you know the, the difficulty of allowing him that, that space to work with those particular players is that I think those particular players are crap um, so I, is, is there much reasoning and is there much point in putting those work in with the lads who are quite simply not good enough yeah to sort of go back to the boxing analogy you both sort of laid out before it felt to me like two blind fellas fighting each other for 89 minutes and then one of them suddenly just lands a knockout blow um, out of the blue Um, and I think probably of the two teams today Matt you know we had chances in the first half but I think in the second half it, it always felt like as the game went on for me that they got better and they brought on players in um, Matthias Nunes and Traore and Jimenez the you know would walk into our starting eleven. Has actually come on in the end. No, no sorry, um, not not Jimenez. Yeah. Guedes. He wasn't out. Guedes. Yeah, you know, yeah. th- th- those those are lads. Ultimately, they would they would walk into our starting eleven, and then you know, I yeah. mean, that, that that's that's the thing for me. It's like as much as we can talk about Lampard and and, and tactics and setups, etc., etc. And you know, we all we all know that's been mismanaged for years and years now. But it, I was just the the word that was going through my mind for that game was just quality, and we have not really got enough in my opinion and they you know not great quality off the bench you know Traore is very hit and miss but you know they're bringing on a 50 million pound midfielder and they're bringing on a lot of these play for Valencia and PSG and you know all these all these great sides and, and we've not really quite got the same depth for me I wouldn't even use the word quality to be honest and like you said, fifty million pound midfielder. Like fees don't really mean nothing these days, as we know. Clubs overpay. It's not even quality. It's competency. It's adequacy, and we don't have 
five competent subs to bring on. Like, we don't even need... Like, only the absolute top... Top six, top four, top three, top two, whatever teams. Only they really have quality to bring off the bench. But no Wolves did today in their bottom. That wasn't quality. It was competency. They don't have, like... Obviously, like, you're right in saying a lot of those players will get into our team. But that's not quality in the Premier League sense. They have players who can come on and shore up a game and, you know, see it out, move it on a little bit. But we don't even have that. Like, we don't have five subs who can come on. We brought on Tom Cannon today, who we were all delighted to see. But that is that is a Hail Mary pass yeah. in the NFL parlance. That's a roll of the dice. Like, that is all we've got to bring off the bench. Like, yeah. you, you've got competence, competency in the American parlance, Rob Vera language, and you've got quality. And we don't even have the competence. We don't have five players to come off the bench who've got... 150 Premier League games under the belt who can just come on and what the core you know is what? <laughs> what's happened to him <laughs> well I mean that's a whole other podcast isn't it really but it's yeah it's you talk about squad depth and when you're talking about building the squad with depth and those heady days when you had fellas saying we don't want to qualify for the Europa League because we haven't got the squad depth <laughs> blah blah Thursday night games and all that crap yeah bring that back please you're talking about having 26 27 28 first team capable players I think right now in that squad we've got no, no. well I mean if you take as red the 11 that start today are inverted commas scare quotes you can't see this because it's an audio medium first play first team players we've got 14 15 maybe we haven't got five to come off the bench. We certainly haven't got, if someone gets injured, another five in reserve. The thing is, though, like, that, that is not far off. Bring in Cody, maybe, and bring in Carver-Lewis. That, yeah, yeah. that is our best team. Yeah. I, th- I yeah. think it's... Maybe Gray starting for oh, yeah. Neil. It's probably insulting to previous squads we've had to even have the conversation about Everton's squad depth at the moment because, as, as you've both rightly said... No, the, the the conversation about who we bring off the bench, for example, that for me is just null. You know, the the, the eleven lads who are on the pitch, uh, Joe. I'm not even going to bring Jordan Pickford into this because he's comfortably our best footballer. The ten outfield players who we've got, that they are they are so clearly not up to it. I mean, there are a few players there who we are all willing to buy into. You know, someone like Anana, for example, who had a terrible game today. We, have, we, we obviously haven't seen enough of this lad and there are specks of quality James Tarkovsky Nathan Patterson yeah, everyone was the worst version of themselves today um, but unfortunately on the other end of that scale there are players that are just simply not fit for purpose um, we, we've just spoken there about European qualification I, I see players like Mope Mikolenko Dwight McNeil they're the lads who in the Europa Conference League hopefully in four years time you'd be looking at playing out the last fixture because you've qualified after five games that, that, that is the only place for those people Dwight McNeil can't run Neil Mope you know regardless of why he was brought in this weird the thing that I bought into with Mope is that you know as much as people peddled the opinion that he was going to somehow be our new Richarlison um, all of that tenacity that you know he's not a big lad he's not the most technically gifted and he's not going to get you 20 goals a season but he is going to run his bollocks off and he is going to make 
defenders' lives and nightmares. Is Andy where, Johnson? Where's the, where's the I, snidness? I, I don't see any of that. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's anywhere near Andy Johnson. Oh, we are Everton fans. We'll take a crap player if they run their arse off and cause people headaches. Umar Nias caused more defenders' headaches than yeah. what Neil Mopé does by an absolute country mile. Um, you know, we have said this tongue-in-cheek about some poor footballers at Everton in the past, but it is not worth him being on the football pitch when he's there. Cause not by himself. Defenders know he's not going to score a goal. You know, I, I, I am still to see the highlight of this goal behind closed doors against Aston Villa. <laughs> I, I absolutely need to see <laughs> do not, it. Do you not think it actually happened? No. Um, but he's a malpatriot. <laughs> one of the reasons why Damari Gray struggles to get into the game when he comes on is that any switched-on Premier League defender with a football and brain knows that Neil Mopé is not going to cause you an issue so I'll go Mark Anthony Gordon and Dwight uh, and excuse me Damari Gray because they potentially might cause me problems the summary here is that we, McNeil, we have got absolutely not we have got a lot of poor football players at this team um, you know I, I brought Mikalenko into that I've never seen a player who consistently fails to be so progressive with the ball all the time. He did it once in the first half and he played the great um, loft of ball into, into, I think it was Gordon, and it led to Gordon's great chance. Um, at every other opportunity, when the ball's played out wide into his feet, he looks for every single possible reason to come back inside or go back to Tarkovsky. Um, you know, that, that level of fear that he plays with and I, I, I genuinely do think it is fear. We saw for the entirety of stoppage time today, where I don't think Everton managed to get over the halfway line well, between Tarkovsky, Godfrey. It was just a lot of a lot of lack of accountability for senior players to actually take control of a game that needed that and take us up the pitch. We're, we're, we're totally lost. Well, their goal actually comes from us having possession for about 30 seconds and going centre-back, centre-back, full-back, centre-back, yeah. hold midfielder, centre-back, centre-back, you know. Yeah. And then everyone's getting aggy, aren't they? Being like, what are you doing? Get it forward. We're trying to chase a goal here. And then we knock it forward. Inevitably lose the ball. They go bang, 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 bang and, it, and it's a goal. And and it, but everyone knows the reason why those situations happen between, you know, who was it at the point, uh, uh, Tarkovsky and Godfrey. The reason why that doesn't happen is because there's absolutely nothing There's no midfield there, isn't it? What's no. the ball, isn't it? You don't, you, I don't, don't blame those two centre-halves for that at all. Uh, Tarkovsky actually tries to play a pinged-out ball to Patterson at one point, doesn't he? It was the only option. Um, but, you, you know, the, there's an identity crisis in our midfield at the moment in terms of who's actually meant to do what. Uh, I know Idrissa Gay's gone off at this point, but... At, at that point, you've got Anana, who, for my money, in the 93rd minute of a game we're losing to the worst team in the league, should probably be up front. It, it's not the player that we wanted to sign, but you know, use use his capability while you've got it. Alex Awobi's playing left back uh, because he he's seen Idrissa Gay do that earlier in the season. He's seen <laughs> Wayne Rooney do it earlier <laughs> a few seasons ago. You know, we have a left back. We need some form of purpose and some form of structure there. And I think for throughout the throughout the whole game today. You know, I don't know what people were expecting when we signed Idrissa Gay and Onana, but I expected Idrissa Gay to be the six and for Amadou Onana to be the eight. Well, Garner's never been that player, has he? He hasn't, but that, that is what we bought into. You know, I, I, I don't want Onana picking the ball up off the back four because it gives me the creeps. I, I don't want to <laughs> see that lad. I, I, you know, he, he, there's a level of technical ability there, yeah. but... 
we, we did not sign him certainly from my point of view to sit directly in front of the back four and get involved in that level of play you know the, the best we you know arguably one of the best we saw of Anana was in his very first game at Villa Park when yeah. we, got, we got 10 minutes of him breaking into the opposition box causing issues setting up a you know what was ultimately an own goal but he, he is clearly capable of causing problems the only problems he caused today sitting in front of that back four were for ourselves and I think you know there are times this season where we were able to sit back and say, you know, regardless of all the issues, those three lads in the middle, that they'll sort it for us, they'll carry us. They're the first three names on the team sheet. And I agree with those names, but the way that they are utilised is the major problem for me and that, that ultimately is always going to backtrack towards Frank Lampard. Yeah, just going back to what you said about Alex Tobobi, um you're absolutely right, and I, I spotted it several times during the game. Iwobi is our only central midfielder who can make, out of that starting three, Iwobi, Garnagay and Anana. He's the only one who can really make a proper progressive pass and set up a really threatening chance. Like, we've seen all the stats this season, you know, most or second, most or third, most, whatever it is, key passes. And so many times during that game, you just, you see the ball going round, and as we do in the grounds, you just look around the other players, and there's Alex Iwobi sitting in the left-back slot, yeah, yeah. or the right-back slot, and you're like, what are you doing there? But five minutes later, when their left-back's got the ball, if you ask me which one of those three midfielders is going to be pressing him, it'll be a combination of Gordon, the striker, and Alex Iwobi. Yeah. And it, it, no, it, it, is he some form of midfield maverick, whereby we just let him do what he wants? Don't get me wrong. Absolutely love the guy. You, you know, no, I don't think he had a great game today, discipline. but his effort was fantastic. Yeah. But you need structure, and without that, and you know, who provides that? I don't. I don't think Alex Iwobi is taking it upon himself to say I'm going to do a little bit of everything here. I know we we jokingly mentioned Wayne Rooney earlier. He's exactly the type of character that would do that. That is what he used to do, though, wasn't it? Yes, With absolutely. The yeah, like, yeah, but the, the, there was a there was an affordability there that this fella is probably better at everyone else on the football pitch at this sport. Let him crack on with what he's doing. I don't think Alex Iwobi is good enough at that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Everton are in any way good it's, enough it's to allow him to do can't that. Be doing that. Exactly, um, and you know the. the it's the coaching staff and it's the manager who are ultimately able to provide that, that discipline and that role for him. I mean, the manager, Frank Lampard never did that. How many times do you see Frank Lampard in a game where they're on the, yeah, under the cosh? Yeah. How many times do you see him drifting to the left-back or the right-back position? Never. He always held his ground right in the middle. If it never came to him and he lost the game, he put his hands up and say, it's not my fault. I was in position. I was ready for the pass, ready to drive this game on. Chance never came. Probably he had Makaleli and Michael Barlack playing next to him for a lot of his career. It did help, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that situation, that hypothetical, didn't happen often. But he never took upon yeah. himself to be Roy of the Rovers going all over the park. And like Mo says, I don't know if that's the player himself thinking he's Mr. Hollywood. I mean, from, he, he from what I've seen of Alex Awobi, yeah. I don't think that's his character. I think it's more, like you say, the manager saying, you've got a free roam now, you can do whatever you want. And it's just, it's just not worked at all. And it's, it's made the player look worse than he is, which is not what we want from Alex Aboe because he's been our best player this season, outfield, all season. So, like, just stick him where he's meant to be, at the top of that midfield too. Just, if he doesn't get the ball, if he's not been able to dictate the play, th that's just the way the game's going. Yeah. But if you let him roam around, go to the left-back, right-back position, try and find the ball, you're going to surrender the midfield and it's all just going to fall to pieces like we saw today. Um, very quickly, sort of mentioned the manager. I'll come back to you, Matt. Um, 
I'll cheer him off Frank Lampard right now. You know, I, I'll always maintain that I don't think he's necessarily the right man, but I think there are bigger issues at the football club than him, and I don't really know if that means that we should sack him or not. But um, it felt like there was a lot of frustration in the ground today, probably more than I've, I've sensed before about, about him and his changes and, and the way in which he set the team up. Yeah, um, straight away, I'm, I'm on the record. I didn't want him in the first place. But as soon as he was in, that was it. I like, got behind him. Obviously, that run towards the end of the last season, stayed off, bought into it. He bought into us. He bought into the fans and everything. At this moment in time, um, there's a bit of a jokey, mean thing going around. It's like, oh, who are we going to get in? Who are we going to get in? And it's, it's not really without merit. It's not saying that no one could do a better job, but I don't think sacking the manager solves the problems that we have deep-rooted in this club. I don't think sacking the manager would condemn us, but I don't think it would save us either. So if it happens, I will shrug my shoulders. I won't cry foul, but I don't think that people should be expecting it to be the perfect silver bullet. And if it's someone along the lines of Sean Dyche, you need to remember that Sean Dyche took down a better team last season than we got now. And we've got half of their fucking players, so we should know. (laughs) (laughs) But... I mean, Vito Pereira is no longer on the market, unfortunately, so... Give, give me him. Get our, the armband out. Our, our, our armband prince cannot rescue us from this. So, yeah. that he might sacked recently, didn't he, I think? He's, he's, yeah, but then he was, like, immediately appointed the um, manager of Flamengo, is man, it? Man of the man. Yeah. Whoever Everton plays for, like... <laughs> the joke was he's finally managing Everton. Uh, Everton Rivera. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my stance is, if he gets sacked, then... I can understand why it's happened and I won't cry foul, but I, I just don't think it's even remotely the solution ultimately to our problems. Not only because we made quite a few signings in the summer, the likes of Dwight McNeil and Idrissa Garnagay, who, again, my opinions of our national public record. We have to start as fans like not just focusing on the manager and the ownership and everything like that like we have a director of football he has a name it's Kevin Felwell why is nobody questioning the decisions he's made he's supposed to drive the entire strategy and philosophy of the football operations the problem with that is that that you know I, I don't know anything about running a football club but that, that strikes me as something that takes time uh, and you know, it, it, it's a massive catch-22 at Everton because we, we need impactful and rapid change. But we are... If there's one thing... That's, that always, you... gonna be, that's always going to be the club's issue, though, isn't it? We are straddling them two horses now. It's like, yes, you've yeah, got to yeah. stay up every season, yeah. otherwise you are in financial oblivion. But you need but also, in five years. But also, right? yeah, you, yeah. Need to, like, you need to, like, you need to like, make all these long-term plans yeah. and like, make sure you're good for the future. I've got to throw it in there. If your two keywords, if your hot buttons in business parlance are impactful and rapid, that is not Dwight McNeil. <laughs> I mean, that's difficult to disagree with. It's not. Like he's, he's yeah, neither yeah. of those things. He cost us the thick end of what twenty million pounds. He just gone down. He played every game last season. He didn't score a goal, and he assisted one. And he got loads of chances created from corners because he took all of Burnley's corners. But we've seen him now, like with our own eyes. Obviously, as football fans, most players for other Premier League teams, we see them twice a season, really. We've seen him now in so many home games and we saw him today with a couple of chances. There was one where it bobbled off Gordon yeah. and fell right in the middle and Dwight McNeil should have been right there yeah. and he's just he's jogging on it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of the slowest wingers I've ever seen. 
and honestly, I reckon he should have been reverse Gareth Bale about six years ago. And given he... that he's only about 22, like, that's saying something. He's, he probably should be a fullback. We need he... one. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think you beat Billy Atten off in a race? No, never. Do you no. think Billy's beat him in a, in a race? Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you want to turn this into a Billy Letinov should have played in the 10 role then <laughs> we can expand the podcast for the rest of time um, just before we go though Rose on Lampard what, what are you thinking right now um, I'm trying to I'm trying to not think about what I'm thinking right now and I'm trying to be relatively rational about it you know it's okay just say it it's alright <laughs> Let's let <laughs> let's not have the conversation of should he be sacked immediately or should he be sacked in the next couple of games because the reality of that is even if Everton lose every one of those games he's he's going nowhere for a few weeks. Um, if he is, who would you replace him with? I mean, that that I, you're Tell looking at you're looking at me like you're interviewing Kevin Fowler. Tell the like, listeners. Um, my my big issue is that I I don't think he's tactically good enough to improve. Everton or himself enough for the situation that we're currently in to change by March or April and if Everton are still in the situation they're in in March or April then Frank Lampard will be sacked so why not do it earlier that's, that's the that's the big catch 22 that's going on in my head at the moment um, again you know this is an incredibly fickle sport and things can change very quickly if we get if we get six points in those two incredibly easy home games we've got at the start of January then <laughs> the, thing, things could change um, what about the incredibly easy away game we've got on uh, New Year's Eve yeah well I mean send the under 12s for that because <laughs> draw. absolutely none of us care about what happens in that game because we get absolutely spanked um, holy fuck I just I'm, I'm still uh, I, I still don't know if Frank Lampard's a good manager, and I, I feel like I should know by now. Uh, you know, we're, we're all incredibly grateful for everything that happened in the last kind of few weeks of last season, but that that's not a way to live your life. That's not a way for a football club to exist. Um, you know, that there has to be. That was seven months ago. And, and, and in that time, have have we seen any any football in progress at all since he came in? Have we seen any no. progress? There's one game against Palace, and that's it. That, that is the one that people hold up as the example of what this all should look the like. Home game, the home yeah, game against yeah. Palace. Yeah. We, we were absolutely dreadful in the first half. No, the 3-0. Excuse me, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, that, that was brilliant. Um, I, just, I just don't... I don't think he's given as much as he should have done by now for us to buy into, you know... Last season was an anomaly. Emotion will carry you it, so far. Emotion will carry you too far with this football club. If yeah. his predecessor wasn't Benitez, where would he be now? Who? Oh, who Lampard. knows? Yeah, yeah. He, he absolutely wouldn't be here, would he? Um, you know, it, it, it's a very lazy name to throw into the mix, but we've all done it in the last two hours. And if David Moyes became available tomorrow, every single one of us would be jumping on the bandwagon of getting him in here. Because... Oh. Sign that is, he, you know, you can. I've, I've said the word progression so many times that he might not be the vision of that, but 
I, I'm just ready for us not to be as as chaotic as this is. Wait, and that 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 level of chaos again is something that we afforded to everyone involved with Everton for three months. But it it, it needs to change. You, you can't you can't consistently go on being this team because eventually your head will fall below the water and and you will go down. And and my the only thing that keeps me up at night at the moment is the obvious reality of us going into Bramley Moor as a championship team because we we've all envisaged it and at the moment I think we're, we're all living in that state of fear uh, give it a couple of weeks mate and there'll be more than ever to keep you up at night as a new dad <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's me signing off for the next 10 years um, I'll, I'll see you again when uh, when Anthony Gordon takes Everton to Wembley for a uh, FA Cup semi-final there we go we'll leave it there Glum um, faces all around uh, been a tough day. Uh, the Reds are winning 2-0 as well, just to cap it off. I feel like every time we get beat in a 3 o'clock yeah. game, I, the, I Reds, the Reds are tuning up at least a half time. I absolutely called the fact that they would score halfway yeah. through this podcast. Not always. Not always. Now, there was one before the World Cup when I think we did get beat to Goodison on a very stale draw. And we came back to the Denby after the end. The Reds were playing Leeds. And then Leeds beat them, uh, and okay. and then a couple of Reds fronted us, and it was very very funny because even the staff, one of whom was a Red, was just laughing at them like, "Come on, guys, come on." In, in my head, every time Liverpool play in the late kickoff, Luis Suarez skins Clint Hill, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that still happens to this day. You might not have seen it in the first half, but keep an eye out for it. The, the, mo- the modern day version is uh, Salah skinning Tyro Mings. I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it there anyway. Um, cheers for listening. Uh, bad, bad day for the Blues. Uh, we'll be back in some guys on New Year's Eve to cover that ridiculous game where we get the City away to see what happens. Um, I don't really know who's going to do that or why or what, but um, we will be there. Uh, Matt Flusk is waving, so I'm sure he'll be up for that. Um, he's adamant we're going to get a nil nil draw that day. Uh, the lads are going to snuff out Erling Haaland <laughs> but uh, we'll leave it there um, disappointing we'll speak soon all the toppies Sports Social Podcast Network